So I think that as financial leaders, if we can uh, encourage everyone in the organization to understand how they contribute to the financial statements of the entity in a really positive way, then uh, I think that they'll um, they'll pick up on how their day-to-day work impacts costs or impacts revenue in a way that doesn't feel like it is scary or um, career-limiting. Welcome to episode number 58 of the Balancing Act podcast. I'm Andy Tempty. Today, we've got a very special guest. We have Denise Probert joining us as our first guest in our new mini-series on the importance of building the skill of financial acumen in individuals and in teams. Denise is teaching assistant professor of accounting in the Leeds School of Business at the University of Colorado Boulder and is a prominent LinkedIn learning instructor. Thanks for sharing your talents and insights with us today, Denise. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Andy. Yeah, for uh, full disclosure for our audience, uh, Denise and and I used to work together uh, in a lot of different capacities, uh, but uh, Denise ran all things uh, kind of CPA review uh, when uh, when when we were working together um, amongst other, other things. So thank you, Denise, for your contributions uh, to Kaplan and our business uh, while, while we were it was, working. It together. was an honor, Andy, to work with you. Well, <laughs> it was it was it was it was fun. We we had a we had a great we time. Did. We had a great time uh, help helping other people develop. Absolutely. That, that, that was the most important thing. So before we get started, uh, as we always do, please uh, tell our listeners your story. My story. Well, you know, I started on a farm in Iowa. (laughs) That's the beginning of my story. And uh, my dad, uh, he uh, did the whole, kicked me off the farm through the goalposts of life to uh, academia. And I started my career in academia when I was 18 years old and almost never left. I, uh, after I graduated from college, I started as a professor, and 21 years later, I was recruited by Mr. Andy Tempty to join the Kaplan team, and I led the accounting education products there, then off to Wiley, and, uh, and then in 2020, I found myself in another pivot moment where I, uh, where I started my own business. And then rejoined academia. So I'm back full circle to where I started. Uh, that's, that's, that's wonderful. I too almost, uh, almost uh, made that uh, pivotal choice to stay in academe. Uh, my, my critical moment was uh, night, the fall 1996 uh, during the, during the hiring season for finance professors uh, that, that year. Uh, and that's the year that I, made that uh, crossroads decision to, to stay in the private sector. So, but thank you for coming over to the private sector for just a little while to, uh, to, to help us. I out. have found those pivot moments to always cause me to accelerate, you know, whether it's been um, moving out to Kaplan out of academia or moving back into academia. Uh, every time I've pivoted in my career, it seems like it's been an acceleration moment for me. Well, that, that's wonderful. And, and you've clearly listened to the podcast before, because if you had to pick one event in your life that was just a real key accelerant, what would that be for you? I think that 
every time I've pivoted, I've accelerated. But I would say the one uh, major moment was passing the CPA exam and getting licensed as a CPA because I felt like, especially when it comes to financial acumen, if you if you can say that you are a certified public accountant, it tends to lend credibility to what you have to say next. So I would say passing the CPA exam and getting licensed as a CPA, which I, you know, it's um, not terribly altruistic, but it was very uh, technically pivotal, uh, pivotal in my career. Yeah. Well, it, that uh, puts you way above the acumen category <laughs> into the expertise. Uh, so let's, you know, let's dive into the concept of financial acumen. You know, when you hear this phrase, what does it mean to you? Financial acumen. Uh, well, you know, I think that there's this, you brought it up, this expertise level. It's almost elitist, you know, we're CPAs or charter holders, CFA charter holders, and and there's this certain level of expertise, but I don't know that I think of that as financial acumen. I think I think of financial acumen as being the ability to contribute to conversations on how to run a business, how to create strategies with the financial impact in mind, and how to implement those strategies to try and keep your finances in order because the financial aspects of every business decision are important to consider. So I think it's really about being able to have that conversation, be able to contribute to the conference room conversations in a meaningful way that shows that you understand the financial impact of what you want to do. Yeah, that's that's a wonderful, wonderful definition for our listeners, uh, being able to contribute meaningfully to the conversations that are happening, because as you and I both know, uh, finance and accounting are the language, uh, one of the primary language of business. And if you're not uh, conversant uh, in that and can sit around the, the conference room table or in the boardroom, uh, and uh, all the numbers are kind of whizzing by you, uh, and and you're you're not understanding and connecting to the story uh, that 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 is being told uh, around that table. Uh, then, yeah, life life and business are going to pass you by uh, pretty pretty quickly. Absolutely. So. You know, we, I, the, the, the purpose of this series or one of the purposes of this series is to promote the concept of financial acumen and to get more people thinking about really their responsibility uh, to uh, not only kind of get on board and build that skill uh, within themselves, but also uh, promote it uh, more more broadly within business and within their personal circles. Uh, so, uh, you know, kind of taking the veil off of what we're trying to accomplish here. Uh, thinking back to your experience in primary and secondary school, what could have been different about how your school system approached instilling basic financial literacy into students? Well, that was a bit ago. And uh, there, the school systems that I went to didn't have a course in personal financial planning or any sort of financial literacy courses. I think it would have been a great idea. I grew up on a farm in Iowa during the farm crisis. So I really learned about financial literacy from my parents. And my parents, you know, they kept farm records and they kept their checkbook reconciled. 
And I, I knew that uh, it was important to, to keep your thumb on the pulse of your finances and making the decisions with regard to the farm. I'm not sure that it prepared me uh, the way that a, a personal finance course maybe would have. So I, I like it that the personal financial planning courses are moving down into the, the lower academic areas, the primary and the secondary schools, because everyone should understand um, that, that our financial success really is about our decisions and that the decisions that we make, whether it's when you're a teenager going out and spending $50 on pizza on a Friday night, or whether it's as a young adult getting your first car insurance and how to read those policies, I think that that level of financial literacy is appropriate at that level. And I'm not sure I got that uh, in the in the early 80s on the farm in Iowa, but it certainly is a valuable a valuable uh, education for our for our young ones to have. Yeah, all all uh, all all about the approach. Our our our, our teachers, our mentors. Uh, I, I'm, I'm kind of on this, uh, one, one person, uh, crusade here to, uh, make math, uh, help math be more approachable and help more people, uh, understand that, uh, you know, math are, is the building blocks for a lot of things, uh, that they'll see, uh, through, throughout their lives. Accounting and finance is one of them. Uh, you are an educator at a major PAC 12 university in the United States, uh, you know, if you had a university chancellor or your your faculty senate uh, sitting right in front of you, uh, what would you tell them to improve the financial acumen uh, of the graduates, the outputs of the, of your institution? It's a really good question, and I thought long and hard about how I would answer this. Uh, I think that the faculty are a bit intimidated by financial acumen themselves. And so I think that there, there needs to be a bit of acceptance that whatever you do, uh, it is going to have an impact on the, the financial reporting. So if we can understand that from day one, it can help a lot. I remember when I first came to Kaplan and I'd only ever taught revenue recognition, right? So I, I thought sales were sales. Because we always debited yeah. accounts receivable and credited sales. And then I came to Kaplan and I'd been teaching for 21 years, so I wasn't a young one. Um, and I learned about revenue recognition for our products at Kaplan. And I thought to myself, wow, this is, this is eye-opening because the, the revenue recognition that I teach, that I've always taught in the classroom, in practice, is very different. And so I thought, you know, I, I need to better understand my revenue recognition. For every decision I make about this product, I need to understand that there's um, implications for product ideation. If we're going to create a new product and have a marketing plan around that new product, when can we recognize the revenue on that? And so I think that if I could work with the faculty members to help them see that what they teach um, has an implication on the financial statements and help them understand uh, that if they can show their, their students that as well, 
that they'll they'll when they move out into the Kaplans of the world, they won't be quite so taken off guard by the you know the 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 idea that you're going to have somebody in the conference room saying, "But what about revenue recognition?" <laughs> You know, I think that's a wonderful, uh, I wasn't expecting that answer. Um, and I think it's a wonderful uh, tool. Uh, revenue recognition would be a wonderful experiential tool uh, to to take into, into the classroom, into our colleges and universities, and just have uh, teachers kind of pull that uh, whole concept apart. Because as you said, a lot of people in our uh, that are wandering around in business today uh, believe that you make a sale and that sale shows up as uh, as as top line revenue, and uh, you're you're all good to go, right? right? <laughs> well, no, because you have to uh, you have to map that the revenue that's earned to the activities that are delivering uh, that revenue, and uh, if those activities extend over a long period of time, then the revenue gets spread out. And I, I can't tell you how many salespeople, how many product development folks, uh, technologists, et cetera, are just, uh, that's uh, just like you, that's an <laughs> eye-opening moment uh, where they go, well, what do you mean if I sell this today that it doesn't show up in our, uh, as, as top line growth today? Exactly. It's, it's a big barrier. It, it really is. And I think that uh, it would be an easy way to approach those faculty members as well is to not try and and ask them to be uh, the accounting experts or the finance experts that you and I are. But you know, let's just look at the, what we do in the classroom with this additional insight and how it can impact the decisions you're going to make. I think it would be useful. Yeah, I, I, I love it. You know, it's a let's pick one thing. Pick one thing. And one thing that like everybody in the organization is going to care about. And what number is that? That's the top line. Right. That's the revenue line that that that's coming in, and just just increasing a basic understanding of what goes into that top line number because it's not as simple as uh, as what everybody thinks it is that you sell something and all all of a sudden the, the top line goes up. Uh, so uh, eye opening for me. Uh, I think this is gr a great, great suggestion for uh, for our listeners. We're going to take a really short break, and uh, we'll be right back. Thanks for listening to the Balancing Act podcast. I'm Andrew Tempty. In my book, Balancing Act, Teach, Coach, Mentor, Inspire, I explore the characteristics required of leaders who must find balance between strength and vulnerability, confidence and selflessness, passion and measure, and leadership and followership. Balancing Act is available today at Amazon.com. And we're back. Our previous mini-series touched on the importance of communication and storytelling in business. We have Denise Probert uh, with us today, and uh, I want to ask you, uh, how does improved financial acumen help non-financial leaders and managers improve their communication and storytelling skills? Are the two of these things linked? I think it's interesting that you asked that question, because when I taught my first 
LinkedIn learning course, reading corporate financial statements, I took the approach of these financial statements tell the story of what we do every single day. So on a day-to-day basis, we make all these business decisions. And then at the end of the quarter or at the end of the year, we publish all those decisions in financial statements. So I think that financial acumen and storytelling go hand in hand. Uh, it, you know, Crayola decided they weren't going to create a, a color anymore because it just wasn't appealing to the kids. It's called the raw umber, right? So nobody wants to fill in a coloring book with the color raw umber. And so they made the decision to stop that crayon color. And uh, it, that having it in the box didn't increase sales. People didn't go buy a box of crayons because raw umber suddenly was in the, in the box anymore. That is a business decision, but it had great financial impact. And so all of the, the decisions that are made in an organization, whether it's a crayon color or whether it's your, um, your decision to try a special marketing initiative, all of those business decisions impact the financial reporting. When we have a special uh, promotion, we oftentimes have a code with it. How many times have we had to enter a code when we want to buy something and get a special discount? And those decisions are going to um, impact our financial statements. And so it's important from a financial acumen perspective to be able to to know how the decisions we make are going to show up. I I love the, I mean, who doesn't want raw Um, umber in their box (laughs) of 128 crayons with the sharpener in it. That's what, that's what, that's what I was after. I was deeply disappointed in my parents uh, when, you know, the, the years that they did not buy the, the, the 128, uh, you remember that box yeah, that the flipped big box. up and it had the, the big box and it had an eraser in it and you'd walk into the classroom and all the other kids went, Ooh, but the raw umber, uh, you know, was was raw umber in there, and did it make an impact on whether that one twenty eight pack sold, and did it have cost implications? You know, Absolutely. The, the, the whole point of this story is not the the hubris around having a one hundred and twenty eight pack, but the decisions that are being made by the product folks uh, on the back end, and being able to tell that story. I, I think that's that's uh, really cool. Imagine the manufacturing facility where they have all of these little vats of crayon colors and somebody actually had to do a special uh, you know, formula for raw umber. And so you had all of the costs of the creation of that crayon that wasn't adding value. So because it wasn't adding value, it wasn't increasing sales. It's not increasing sales. Now all of a sudden we have a financial acumen story. So they're there's a story behind every financial decision we make, but behind every business decision we make. And uh, yep. so I think that the tie between storytelling and business decisions and finan- financial acumen, it's all, it's one and the same. Yeah. No, that uh, our, our listeners will be thinking, dreaming of raw <laughs> umber and uh, how that was creating waste uh, for the Crayola, Crayola company. All you have to do is open a box, a big box, and see which crayons are the shortest to know which ones are driving sales, really. There, 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 there you go. All right. So 
this question may be a real softball for you, but what advice do you have for business leaders to build financial acumen in their teams? I think it is taking down the walls around uh, financial decision-making. I think that we have traditionally kept accounting and finance in the back room. We've traditionally made it um, kind of a scary place. It's where budgets get cut. It's where expectations are established. And so I think that if we can somehow tear down those walls and make a business decision, business decisions in light of the financial impact feel like it's ordinary and not scary and not costly to your career. Uh, you know, I always heard the term career limiting move. And oftentimes it was around things that had to do with the financial decisions of an entity and uh, not, not at Kaplan, Andy, but elsewhere. And I felt like uh, if we could just remove the, the scary part of it and make it feel like it's uh, just part of doing business. And uh, I think that if we can make uh, everyone in the organization feel like they have greater competence, wherever they're at, if we can move them one step closer towards financial acumen, maybe two if they're super interested, maybe all the way to being a CPA if they're really, really excited about accounting or a charter holder, a CFA charter holder, if they're super excited about finance. But and practically speaking, most everybody in the organization wants to do what they're really passionate about. And that might not be accounting or finance, but that doesn't mean that they can't improve their skills and their knowledge in accounting and finance. So I think that as financial leaders, if we can uh, encourage everyone in the organization to understand how they contribute to the financial statements of the entity in a really positive way, then uh, I think that they'll, um, they'll pick up on how their day-to-day -day work impacts costs or impacts revenue in a way that doesn't feel like it is scary or um, career limiting. So now here's the big question, and uh, this is the real softball for you. <laughs> Any specific course or program recommendations uh, that you have? Sure. You know, when I joined, Winked. Uh, yeah, Winked. yeah, when I joined, <laughs> when I joined the LinkedIn instructor team, LinkedIn learning instructor team, I did it because I wanted to make accounting education accessible. I wanted to make courses that didn't feel like you needed to be uh, a CPA in the end, that you wanted to build your financial acumen in, in baby steps. And so I've created courses at LinkedIn that, uh, that, that others might find interesting. I've got four right now. I'm working on my fifth. I've got two accounting foundation courses, one in business, uh, the, the accounting cycle and the accrual basis of accounting. And I've got an accounting foundations course in, in understanding the gap. And I've got a reading corporate financial statements course. And I also have accounting for non-accountants. And so the whole idea behind these courses is that they really don't require us to have a lot of expertise in accounting. We don't have to have an interest in becoming a CPA but we, we want to learn a little bit more. So I would, you know, I think that they're great courses and they're being well-received. So I think that that's my, my 
hit on the softball is uh, check them out. Yeah. So uh, let's suppose that I'm a mid-level manager in a, in a big company. Uh, I've spent years and years and years pushing back on mathematics, finance, accounting. That's somebody else's job. Uh, my mind is awakening to the need for me to understand the numbers and to do a better job of uh, connecting the dots and storytelling uh, for my people. Uh, which one of those uh, courses that you just rec recommended is the first one that I should do? Well, I think that if you are interested in starting points, the Accounting Foundations courses, Understanding the Gap, uh, and also the accrual basis accounting are great places to start. I think that as a leader, if if you can uh, create maybe um, 15 minutes a week where you just have a conversation about what you're learning in these accounting courses with one or two other people on your team, yeah. then you're taking it from something you have assigned and have to do to taking it to how it applies to your workplace. So I would suggest, you know, enroll in the classes, take the class, but then schedule 15 minutes with two or three people on your team and just say, you know, I took this class and at minute three, three, uh, minute three of the second, second movie, I feel, or video, I feel confused about how this might fit in our workplace. What do you think? And invite them in on the conversation so it feels like their contributions are meaningful as well. And when they're watching the courses, they're thinking about how they would apply to your workplace at this point. I think, I think that would be a lovely thing to do in the workplace because it improves uh, the communication and, and the conversation around building financial acumen in a very gentle way. Yeah, I, I, that's such a great, uh, great recommendation. So you're, you're a manager, you're a leader, uh, you know, you're learning, you're growing, you're continuous and continuously improving and you're bringing others on that journey, uh, with you and, and most importantly, making, uh, what you're learning turning that into something real that everybody can sink their teeth into and kind of, you know, put on the conference room table and, and talk about and, and, uh, and have a real meaningful conversation. There are cultural implications to this team building, all sorts of uh, knock on benefits. So kudos uh, for, for that recommendation. Thank you. Um, we're getting uh, close to uh, the end of our time together. Uh, We've got a big problem in the United States as re as it relates to the number of CPAs uh, that we have available to sign off on audits and tax matters uh, for corporations and institutions. As a CPA yourself, what recommendations do you have for business and institutional leaders to increase the talent pool of CPAs uh, and other advanced accounting professionals? This is a really complicated concern in the accounting profession because we're seeing the enrollments in the exam, a CPA exam decline. There are some indications of declines of enrollments at universities. However, I'm not sure that that isn't just pandemic related, meaning that higher education enrollments have also been declining as a result of the pandemic. So I'm not sure that's directly related to the profession. So I think that 
uh, understanding the needs of the profession and the demands of the profession are important and they're changing. They've changed so much just in the last handful of years. Just since I left academia, we went from teaching the standards in a traditional environment to now most all of my students have their laptops open during class every day and they're running Excel on their numbers. And so I think that we have to embrace technology. We have to take the learner to that new required place of building your critical thinking and your problem solving skills as much as your technical skills uh, and your ability to use technology and data have never been stronger. So I think that we have to embrace those changes and of course, there's all of these workplace changes that are, that the pandemic has brought forth as well. I think that they were they were coming all along, and that today's uh, newly licensed CPA looks very different than I did. In that I was, you know, I was raised on a farm where the work ethic was drilled into us, and I'm not suggesting that that's not true of today's graduates. I have a 25 year old, and I would say it's it's not like it was for me, but they are willing to work hard. They just want a little bit more balance. And this fits right in with what you're, the work you're doing on the Balancing Act and, and um, you know, being able to be an effective citizen uh, in the workplace as well as in your outside workplace environment. Um, I think that we have to just respect that, that we're hiring people, not uh, yeah. people who want to necessarily commit every hour of the week. Every waking moment. moment. I, I know a number of accountants that just get, and it's an expectation where you're just always on. And uh, we, we have to make the accounting profession uh, bring, bring more balance, right. uh, as you said, to the accounting profession, Absolutely. uh, and, and make the CPA, uh, and, and other credentials, uh, and the work itself, uh, more rewarding and, uh, and, and appealing. So th thank you. Thank you for your comments, Denise. Did we miss anything big that you wanted to say today? No, I think that, uh, you know, I was really hoping that this conversation would allow uh, allow us to have the the breakdown of barriers when it comes to financial acumen building. And I think that we did that effectively. I think the more we can make finance and accounting knowledge accessible to everyone, uh, the 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 more impact we'll have in our business decisions. So I am happy to be here. Andy, I'm always available for these kinds of conversations. Uh, and it's a pleasure to join your podcast. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Uh, and, you know, let, let's make learning fun. Uh, uh, learning, accounting, and finance is not, uh, should not be drudgery. Absolutely. And it shouldn't be mis mysterious. And there shouldn't be all these walls and barriers uh, and the shaming of uh, oh you don't know this so therefore I'm better than you kind of a kind of an environment uh, so uh, please check out uh, Denise Probert on LinkedIn Learning she's got four courses out there she'll have another uh, coming soon uh, my name is Andrew Tempty this is the Balancing Act podcast please find us on all the major 
podcast services, like, subscribe, rate, share, all that fun stuff, and we will see you next time.